Welcome back to Bible in a Year with Pastor Steve. This is week number two, a fresh new week in this reading plan. And today you should have read or will read Genesis chapters 25 through 27, the sixth Psalm, and Proverbs chapter 6. As mentioned previously, I'll be reading from the web version, that is the World English Bible version of the Bible. The reading plan recommends the New International Version, but you can use any version that you have at home. It's always good to see the different nuanced meanings of the words uh, by reading multiple translations anyway. So without further ado, let's jump into this fresh new week. I'll be covering Genesis chapters 25 and 26 in the devotional today, and that's what I'll be reading. Genesis chapter 25. Abraham took another wife, and her name was Keturah. She bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. Jokshan became the father of Sheba and Dedan. The sons of Dedan were Ashurim, Letusim, and Lumim. The sons of Midian were Ephah, Epher, Hanoch, Abida, and Elda'ah. All these were the children of Keturah. Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac, but Abraham gave gifts to the sons of Abraham's concubines. While he still lived, he sent them away from Isaac, his son, eastward to the east country. These are the days of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived, 175 years. Abraham gave up his spirit and died at a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. Isaac and Ishmael, his sons, buried him in the cave of Machpelah, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar the Hittite, which is near Mamre. The field which Abraham purchased from the children of Heth. Abraham was buried there with Sarah, his wife. After the death of Abraham, God blessed Isaac, his son. Isaac lived by Beer Lahoi Roy. Now this is the history of the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar the Egyptian, Sarah's servant, bore to Abraham. These are the names of the sons of Ishmael by their names, according to the order of their birth. The firstborn of Ishmael, Nabaioth, then Kedar, Abdil, Mibsam, Misma, Duma, Masa, Hadad, Tima, Jetur, Nefish, and Kedamah. These are the sons of Ishmael. And these are their names by their villages and by their encampments. Twelve princes, according to their nations. These are the years of the life of Ishmael, 137 years. He gave up his spirit and died and was gathered with his people. They lived from Havilah to Shur, that is, before Egypt, as you go toward Assyria. He lived opposite all his relatives. This is the history of the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham became the father of Isaac. Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Padam Aram, the sister of Laban the Syrian, to be his wife. Isaac entreated Yahweh for his wife because she was barren. Yahweh was entreated by him and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. The children struggled together within her. She said, if it is like this, why do I live? She went to inquire of Yahweh. Yahweh said to her, Two nations are in your womb. 
Two peoples will be separated from your body. The one people will be stronger than the other people. The elder will serve the younger. When her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her room. The first came out red all over, like a hairy garment. They named him Esau. After that, his brother came out, and his hand had hold on Esau's heel. He was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. The boys grew. Esau was a skilled hunter, a man of the field. Jacob was a quiet man, living in tents. Now Isaac loved Esau because he ate his venison. Rebekah loved Jacob. Jacob boiled stew. Esau came in from the field, and he was famished. Esau said to Jacob, Please feed me with some of that red stew, for I am famished. Therefore his name was called Edom. Jacob said, First, sell me your birthright. Esau said, Behold, I am about to die. What good is the birthright to me? Jacob said, Swear to me first. He swore to him. He sold his birthright to Jacob. Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew. He ate and drank, rose up, and went his way. So Esau despised his birthright. Genesis chapter 26. There was a famine in the land in addition to the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, to Gerar. Yahweh appeared to him and said, Don't go down into Egypt. Live in the land that I will tell you about. Live in this land, and I will be with you, and will bless you. For I will give to you and to your offspring all these lands, and I will establish the oath which I swore to Abraham your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of the sky, and will give you all these lands to your offspring. In your offspring all the nations of the earth will be blessed, because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my requirements, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Isaac lived in Gerar. The men of the place asked him about his wife. He said, She is my sister, for he was afraid to say my wife, lest he thought the men of the place might kill me for Rebekah, because she is beautiful to look at. When he had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was caressing Rebekah, his wife. Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, surely she is your wife. Why did you say she is my sister? Isaac said to him, Because I said, Lest I die because of her. Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the people might easily have lain with your wife, and you would have brought guilt on us. Abimelech commanded all the people, saying, He who touches this man or his wife will surely be put to death. Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year one hundred times what he planted. Yahweh blessed him. The man grew great and grew more and more until he became very great. He had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, and a great household. The Philistines envied him. Now all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped and filled with earth. Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are much mightier than we. Isaac departed from there, encamped in the valley of Gerar, and lived there. Isaac dug the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. 
He called their name after the names by which his father had called them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and found there a well of flowing water. The herdsmen of Gerar argued with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours. So he called the name of the well Essek, because they contended with him. They dug another well, and they argued about that also, so he called its name Sitna. He left the place and dug another well. They didn't argue over that one, so he called it Rehoboth. He said, For now Yahweh has made room for us, and we will be fruitful in the land. He went up from there to Beersheba. Yahweh appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham, your father. Don't be afraid, for I am with you and will bless you and multiply your offspring for my servant Abraham's sake. He built an altar there and called on the name of Yahweh and pitched his tent there. There Isaac's servants dug a well. Then Abimelech went out to him from Gerar with Ahuzath, his friend, and Phicol, the captain of his army. Isaac said to them, Why have you come to me since you hate me and have sent me away from you? They said, We saw plainly that Yahweh was with you. We said, Let there now be an oath between us, even between us and you, and let's make a covenant with you, that you will do us no harm, as we have not touched you and as we have done to you nothing but good, and have sent you away in peace. You are now the blessed of Yahweh. He made them a feast, and they drank and ate. They rose up some time in the morning, and swore an oath to one another. Isaac sent them away, and they departed from his peace. The same day Isaac's servants came and told him concerning the well which they had dug, and said to him, We have found water. He called it Sheba. Therefore, the name of the city is Beersheba to this day. When Esau was 40 years old, he took as his wife Judith, the daughter of Biri, the Hittite, and Basmoth, the daughter of Elon, the Hittite. They grieved Isaac and Rebekah's spirits. Gracious God, we thank you for this time together today as we delve into your word. We pray that your Holy Spirit would enliven our minds and our hearts and our souls so that we might receive whatever wisdom you would have for us this day. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, today in the book of Genesis, there was three chapters, Genesis 25 through 27. I read the first two, but I, I do have some thoughts on all three that I'd like to share. So in Genesis chapter 25, we see the close of the saga of Abraham. Now everything moves on to Isaac. And Abraham, uh, when he was dying, gave everything to his son Isaac. But to his other son or sons, uh, Ishmael and perhaps some other sons from his concubines, he gave gifts to them and just sent them away. So Isaac got everything, including the blessing um, and the inheritance of the covenant between Abraham and God. That all went through with Isaac. In verses 19 through 34, we delve into the family tree a bit on Isaac. Uh, if you remember, previously married Rebecca. Now, Rebecca, when she's pregnant with Isaac's sons, um, she feels a disturbance within her womb. And she's kind of wondering, like, what in the world is going on? And God has a response for her. And he says, 
two nations are in your womb, and two people groups will be born out of your body. One shall be stronger, and the other will be weaker, and will also serve the stronger. Now she's probably like, great, but she wasn't necessarily expecting a great reversal, um, which was about to happen. See, there's a, a birthright that comes to the firstborn son in the ancient Near Eastern traditions. The firstborn son was given double the inheritance when the time came, when the father died, was given authority, but also there was responsibility as well, right? Responsibility to manage all of those resources um, and to keep the father's name uh, in good standing through it all. But we see that God is continually subverting the different roles and the structures and the privileges and positions that uh, mankind uh, concoct for themselves. And we'll see this as a, we'll see a subversion of this firstborn um, situation come through here, but also it happened in the past and it's going to happen again in the future with the likes of Moses, Samuel, David, and Solomon, to name a few. All right, so it's time for Rebecca to give birth, and the first to come out is Esau. Now, Jacob was the second to come out, but I want you to notice that Jacob was grabbing the heel of Esau. Jacob's name actually means one who takes by the heel, or the supplanter. So right from the very beginning, Jacob was up to something, wasn't he? He was trying to um, maybe pull back uh, Esau into the womb so he can come out first. Who knows? Now, God doesn't tell us the story uh, why he allowed the younger to receive the inheritance later on and the blessing. Um, but as the story will be told, um, there's probably good reason for it. So now we jump into Genesis chapter 26. It starts off with a, a note that there is a famine in the land. And I guess it was going to be um, Isaac's plan to go ahead and move uh, into Egypt. But God says, nope, don't go there. I need you to go to this place, Gerar, and stay there. Uh, and once Isaac does so, he's faithful in obeying God, God reiterates the covenant um, that he made with Abraham. And he says, I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to make you a great nation and multiply your descendants like the number of stars in the sky, right? Because of Abraham, your father's faith. So he goes there. Um, he's kind of thriving. Isaac does the whole sister act thing. You remember what I'm talking about there? Remember what Abraham or Abram and Sarai did when uh, Abram was in a foreign place? He said, uh, sir, I just let me call you my sister so that I don't get killed by the king that is here, right? Because he's going to want to take you. So Isaac does the very same thing with Rebecca, and this causes a run-in with the king. And you might recognize the name, Abimelech. So after the whole sister act thing, uh, he has another run-in with Abimelech. It's a, I guess it's a, a tradition for the family to run into this guy, the king of Gerar. And the king's like, what is it that you have done? This clearly is your wife. I saw you caressing her shoulder, right? Uh, you don't really do that to a sister. 
So he calls him out and he tells his servants, you know, don't harm this man or his wife because he knows that God is on their side. So he goes about and Isaac thrives um, still, even though he had this run in, he thrives and his possessions become so great that the Philistines get jealous. And what do they do? Well, this was the land that Abraham had cultivated earlier and dug a bunch of wells um, for for water. Um, the well systems were how they got their water primarily. Um, you could dig a cistern, which basically is a, is a well, shallow well that can catch water. Uh, or if you're lucky enough, you can dig um, one of these cisterns and tap into living water, which is like a spring. Uh, and Abraham had done that. But anyway, the Philistines got jealous because of the possessions of Isaac and knowing that God was prospering him so much uh, to the point where they started stopping up the wells. They basically filled them with soil um, so that they would run out of water. Well, in Abimelech, they, he comes out and he sees all this strife and um, that they were just so numerous and so wealthy that maybe he felt a little threatened and he sends Isaac away. So he goes away. Um, he redigs some wells in a different place. Uh, and the Philistines, um, their herdsmen basically against Isaac's herdsmen were saying, no, this is our well, get the heck out of here. And he did it over and over and over again. And then God makes an appearance. And just when Isaac's probably feeling down in the dumps, he reiterate, reiterates the covenant again, saying, put your head up. Guess what? We're going to do this uh, covenant through you. You're going to become a great nation. You're going to have so many descendants that come through you. Don't worry. I'm still on your side. I've got your back. So God reiterates that covenant. Uh, and this chapter ends, interestingly, with... Uh, Esau getting married to this lady named Deborah, uh, and a note that their family brought nothing but grief to Isaac and Rebekah. Perhaps that's why God didn't want the blessing to pass on to Esau. So we move into cha uh, chapter 27, and this is all about Jacob's deception. Uh, it starts off with uh, a note that Esau, uh, he kind of grew up and became the, the rough and tumble uh, young lad who was a hunter and loved to um, kill the game and cook it up. For, and father loved it, so he was kind of a favorite um, of Isaac. Uh, and there's a note that Jacob was a quiet and a peaceable man that kind of kept to himself a homebody of sorts. Uh, and just lived in the tents. But one day, I guess uh, Esau really outdid himself and pushed himself too hard that he came home to the point of um, utter starvation. He felt like he was going to die if he did not get some food in him right away. And Jacob capitalized on this situation. So what he did was uh, he was already cooking a nice lentil stew, a nice red stew, probably smelled fantastic uh, to our friend Esau. And when he got in the house, I mean, can you imagine if you're so hungry and, and you just smell food and you're not allowed to have it because it's not yours? Well, he begs Jacob for this stew. And Jacob says, uh-uh-uh, not unless you sell me your birthright. 
And Esau is so desperate, he lets his stomach do the thinking, and he says, sure, in exchange for this stew, I give you my birthright. It's basically a, a formal contract, right? In a contract, you give consideration for something, uh, and you're bound in this contract. So Jacob wins the birthright from Esau, which means when uh, Daddy-O died, he would get double the portion, and Esau would get just the, the standard stuff that came for the, the sons later on. So, I need you to remember. So, remember God's words to Rebecca. That there was a, a warring between two nations within her body, within her womb. And that when they came out, Jacob and Esau, that they would be a two different people groups and one would serve the other. So Rebecca knew and most likely told her husband that the younger would actually be the stronger and the younger would be the favored. Yet at the point now where Isaac is on his deathbed, he still tries to re-engineer the blessing toward Esau, not God's will, right? So there's a plan that happens. Uh, the mom helps devise it all and she sends out uh, Esau um, to go do the hunting because dad wanted his last meal to be that delicious venison that he cooks up. So sends him off and then provides something for Jacob to cook up for her dad. And then she takes some furs and puts it on the hands and arms of Jacob so that when he got near to his aged father, who apparently can't see anymore, um, that he would believe that Jacob was Esau. And so the plan works and Jacob is blessed by Isaac. He receives not only the birthright, right, because he got that via contract with Esau, but now he receives the blessing of his father as well. And because Isaac was so steeped into the covenant, um, which he knew was passed down through him from Abraham, that this blessing would extend the covenant down through this next person, the first son, but in this case, Jacob. And so he receives the blessing. Esau hears about it. He and the father lament and cry, and he pleads for a blessing in verse 38. Can't you please just, there's got to be more blessing in there for me. Give me a blessing. But Isaac says, no, guess it wasn't God's will. You're going to live in the wilderness, and you're going to live by the sword, die by the sword, and by the way, you're going to serve your brother, Jacob. So Esau bore a grudge and he plotted to kill Jacob. And the family found out about it and sent Jacob off up to Uncle Laban's house. Remember, this is where Isaac's um, servant or Abraham's servant went to secure a wife for, for Isaac. And they brought back Rebekah. Um, so now Jacob is sent out that way so that his life would be spared. But I want you to notice that there is a, a theme here of a grudge and this plot to kill. Um, the grudge should remind us of Ishmael, right? That there is a grudge because uh, Ishmael uh, was the firstborn 
but the blessing uh, went on to Isaac. Now, there's also this plot to kill, which should remind us of Cain. Remember the firstborn of Adam and Eve? Well, when Abel received the blessing, the younger one received the blessing by God, uh, he plotted and actually did kill Abel. Both of these were firstborns who were put in subjugation to the other. Now, this theme of the firstborn carries further even more so into the New Testament, where Jesus is the firstborn. He's God's only son, and he deserves double the portion, well, because he is God and all, right? And God even says to, to Jesus at his baptism, you are my son with whom I am well pleased. I love you. My favor is on you. And now later on through Jesus's life and his death and his resurrection, we see that Jesus is the first fruit, right? The firstborn of new creation. It points to the promise of our future resurrection and our current liberation from the powers of sin and death. And because of this, we can all live in this fallen world and help make it the promised land, right? God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. This is the vocation which started in the Garden of Eden and was doubly placed on us as followers of Christ, members of his holy church, which is uh, an agent of transformation and healing for the world. And even better news, when we place our faith in Christ, we are not just admitted into the family as, uh, as one who is adopted from the outside. We are given the status of heirs, co-heirs even, with Jesus. So we enjoy that double portion just as Jesus would. In Romans chapter 8, verse 17, Paul says, And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share in his suffering. So friends, we are heirs with Christ. When you place your faith in Jesus, when you desire, uh, decide to let him be your savior for the forgiveness of sins and Lord, uh, the, the one who would lead us into a deeper relationship and would lead us into holiness, um, we are given this double portion of blessing. But here, as Paul reminds us, following Jesus isn't always coming up roses. It's not all sunshine and lollipops. And Jesus even said, you know, you should consider the cost of following me before you say yes and follow me. Because as followers of Jesus, we follow him in suffering. We follow him in obedience to God, to help bring God's love and grace to a fallen world. And sometimes there's trouble. And we also have that wily serpent who still tries to shoot flaming darts at us. Um, so it's not all coming up roses all of the time, but we can live a life that has true abundance. We could truly flourish as human beings when 
we walk with God when we follow Jesus, his son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Friends, let us continue to strive toward that goal. I encourage you to continue to pray for one another, support one another, start conversations on our Facebook page uh, so that we can continue to learn from one another. My name is Pastor Steve. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Bible in the Year with Pastor Steve. Have a very blessed day.